नहीं दे The name of this radio program is Dead to the World, and it's on every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. on KPFA and KFCF. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and today is Tuesday, June the 26th, that's what it is, 2007. Oh, there's so much on my plate, yes. <laughs> yes. So, so why am I so hungry, yes. There's so much to talk about, scream about, even, even to laugh about. Have you noticed? Yes. Anyway... I'm so relieved Paris Hilton is out of jail. Oh, poor baby, she had to serve half her time. I was hoping they'd give her 200 hours of community service. Uh, I'm sending her, mailing her Tina Brown's new book, The Diana Chronicles, you know. Tina Brown is a Brit who edited The New Yorker for some years. She made it more fun, very, uh, very uh, spicy. Her book on Diana Spencer, The Princess of Wales, is a tome, is a great, big, huge book. I really think it tells us more than we need to know about um, that lovely lady. But maybe it will inspire Paris Hilton to become a force for good in the community. You know, she said she wanted to make a difference Use that celebrity, some role model, yes. When I was young, we called them moral examples. I guess that doesn't quite uh, fill the bill. In the Diana Chronicles, there's a quote from Barbara Cartland. It was the funniest thing I've found in the book so far. Now, Barbara Cartland uh, is the late romance novelist. You remember, she was very pink. Her books, her romance novels, were mega-sellers. She said that Diana Spencer uh, only read her books, her romance novels, and they don't, they don't seem to have done her much good. Um, Tina Brown interviewed everybody on the planet for this book. Uh, Catherine Graham, yes, once editor of, what is it, the Washington Post. The great Catherine Graham once suggested to Diana after the divorce uh, that perhaps she could go back to school, you know, get a higher degree, get uh, educated. Diana said that she had been educated, thank you. She was insulted, yes. 
I think she was probably right about that. She was a nursery school teacher when she met, uh, or when she became engaged to Charlie. She knew him when she was younger. Anyway, Paris Hilton has done her time. She has paid her debt to society. So at age 26, she's coming out primed to take up the good fight. We must encourage her. She can talk about the evils of incarceration or landmines, whatever. Anyway, Drew Barrymore is very good at that uh, 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 social responsibility stuff. Maybe they can get together. Anyway, uh, I don't mean to waste time on this nonsense. Uh, there is a real romantic at the movies this week. Uh, one of the idols of my life, uh, the late Edith Piaf. Uh, the movie's called La Vie en Rose. It's in Albany. I'm reviewing that Thursday morning at 8.20 here on KPFA. Uh, so I'll try not to talk too much about it. I don't want to repeat myself. Uh, but Edith Piaf was, uh, well, let's say she was, uh, she was something that, uh, my mother and her friends, uh, Someone they look to for inspiration, for uh, backup, yes. She did what they dreamed of doing, but she did it the hard way. She was born in 1915, and she certainly rose from the bottom, from the gutter, as they say, from a childhood of filth, indigence, and disease. She embraced the world, certainly, uh, France, uh, all the while suffering from alcoholism, morphine addiction, crippling arthritis, uh, car accidents, uh, let's see, malnutrition, ulcers, tuberculosis, pancreatitis, hepatitis, uh, and ultimately cancer. Goodness sakes, um, she said she was uh, addicted to self-destruction. She grew up in... Belleville, it's a kind of seething tenement, the favela of Paris, it's a mythic underworld, a haven for political refugees, Greeks, Spaniards, Jews, Armenians, you know, the immigrants from the colonies or the ex-colonies uh, down in Africa and into China, Algeria, all the, uh, all the flotsam and jetsam that came to France. Uh, there's an article. For those of you who like to check out print, 25 June 2007 issue of The New Yorker, the article is called French Blues. It's in the Critic at Large section. It's not a movie review. It's about Edith Piaf's Life in Song, written by Judith Thurman, one of my most favorite writers for The New Yorker. I have admired Judith Thurman's writings since since her biography of Isaac Dennison, but uh, I digress. Actually, uh, she always has a slightly different twist to things I'd like her. She calls Edith Piaf and her lover, this boxer, uh, Republican royalty, because they were working class heroes. Uh, her boxer lover died after a two-year affair. He died in a plane crash and was pretty much downhill from there on. Uh, Edith Piaf 
had that voice. Uh, it's a voice that, when I was young, brought me to emotional consciousness, uh, or what they're calling emotional intelligence now, <laughs> to a knowledge, you know, of what passion really feels like. Uh, let me take just a minute to read you one paragraph from Judith Thurman's article in the June 25th New Yorker. Uh, she was called, you know, the little sparrow. Piaf means little sparrow, four feet, eight inches. Anyway, uh, Judith Thurman writes, she was as much a phoenix as a sparrow. She returned after her periodic fugues, car crashes, breakdowns, and operations to sing more soulfully than before. The makers of her latest film biography, La Vie en Rose, directed by Olivier Dahan, D-A-H-A-N, and starring Marion Cotillard, I'm going to spell the actress's name, C-O-T-I-L-L-A-R-D, uh, they're betting that she can rise again. If they're right, the triumph will belong primarily to Cotillard, that is the actress playing Piaf, who almost persuades you that you are watching Piaf herself. Were she alone on a bare stage, sinking not only her lips but her every fiber to Piaf's, the movie might be a masterpiece rather than a pedestrian saga about a pop star's rise and fall. Well, what can you expect, folks? Come on. You can't get, um, oh, you can't get a masterpiece when you're derivative. But anyway, uh, what I remember from documentaries, oh, I remember Piaf's, uh, oh, the way she would rock and her little hands would wave, uh, clutching her breast. She, she was such a, uh, such a little, such a little, oh, I was going to say Tinkerbell, but that's a terrible, terrible description. Uh, she's just so tiny. Uh, anyway, Judith Thurman goes on to say about the movie that it isn't the fault of the stylish photography and a cast of virtuosos. There's uh, Catherine Allegrette as Piaf's paternal grandmother. Catherine Allegret is a ringer for her late mother, Simone Signoret. Those of you who loved Simone Signoret will want to see the movie just to see this uh, daughter. Uh, Gerard Dupardieu uh, plays uh, Louis Laplay. That's the homosexual uh, teddy bear who owned a cabaret and uh, discovered Piaf as a 19-year-old hellion singing on street corners. Uh, Thurman goes on to say, subtle acting can't save a script that resorts at nearly every turn to a visual cliché. Oh, dear. A childhood of picturesque squalor, a picturesque adolescence, a montage of rave reviews rolling off an old-fashioned printing press. Oh, dear, 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 dear. Uh, that gives way to a scene of a trashed hotel suite. Well, I guess maybe, you know, the clichés, that's generic. Let's Let's just... Let's just think of this as an invitation to go and find the real thing. And, of course, the music is the real thing. So think of it as a, a music video to promote the work of Edith Piaf. And then, if you can, find the documentaries. Uh, I have an audio tape 
of the documentary made, oh, gee, more than 10 years ago that I just adore with Charles Aznavour being being his, his snippy self talking about uh, Piaf, yes. She was such a, she was such a uh, nympho, you know. These poor men were her, her victims. <laughs> anyway, this article basically talks about the timing of this um, uh, this movie, you know, coming at an opportune moment. It opened in France on Valentine's Day, and uh, there's all this stuff about national identity uh, in the uh, uh, the election, the campaign in France. Yes, ever since the revolution, national identity is a problem. It says here that Piaf and her music define what it means to be French. Mm-hmm. <laughs> France loves desperate love songs. The film launched a Piaf craze that crossed generational lines. Hmm. In any case, Piaf symbolized the desire of ordinary voters for a return to real values and the rejection of elitism, huh? The assertion itself is untranslatable to another culture. Imagine Karl Rove making the same claim for Judy Holiday. <laughs> anyway, uh, Judith Thurman goes on to write, In France, a realist tends to be a former romantic, mocking his lost illusions, but also secretly mourning them. And she goes on to write about Jacques Brel and the dark school. Uh, she says, like them, Piaf was too worldly and bruised to escape the ironic view that gives her art its depth and modernity. Experience taught her that most love isn't true. She steadfastly refuses to renounce her belief in loving, however. Uh, my favorite bits in the documentary were the bits at the end when she marries this uh, Greek hairdresser, this beautiful young boy there on stage together singing. And uh, uh, she does, of course, look like his mother, but she shows him what love is all about. Uh, I still remember... So many women, even here in America, being moved by the the fact that Edith Piaf had the guts to reach out for love uh, when she was 20 years older than the young man. Uh, she was 46 and he was 26, right. Uh, shocking, shocking. Anyway, I'm sorry that the movie does not deal with the war years. Uh, Judith Thurman writes that uh, Piaf doesn't seem to have paid much attention to history or politics, uh, but she did entertain French prisoners of war in Nazi Germany. Now, I remember in the documentary there was evidence that she had her picture taken with the POWs, then they used the photographs, you know, to make passports. She was with the underground, the French resistance. Uh, they didn't have time for that in the movie. <laughs> anyway, uh, she is the quintessential heroine of the Republic. She got medals after the war. She's a daughter of the people. 
No one can belt out the Marciers like Edith Piaf. Uh, I think I remember the film, the documentary had Yves Montand uh, in a number of scenes, and he's such a big, tall, lanky guy, and she's such a tiny little miracle. Uh, everything about her, of course, is pungently French. Uh, even though her maternal grandmother was a Berber from Algeria. Let's see. Her maternal grandmother's name was Emma Saeed Ben Mohammed. <laughs> My gosh. The French title of the movie is The Kid. That was the stage name that uh, Le Play gave her. Gerard Dupardieu is the uh, actor who plays La Play. Uh, I got the impression, of course, before I saw the movie, that he would be the boxer, but that's not uh, the case. Now, there's a CD of the soundtrack. i got to get that. And, of course, perfumes and uh, all kinds of uh, produce, yes. There's so many biographies and memoirs. The one that Judith Thurman mentions is called A Life Not Always Pink. Uh, oh, the list is too long. You can find it in her article, this list of books and biographies about Edith Piaf. Start with the songs, the music, of course. Once again, Judith Thurman's article is in the 25 June issue of The New Yorker. Uh, the um, novella-length Reverie by Isabel Sobelman has literary pretensions, yes. Uh, now, uh, she's the screenwriter along with the director. French resentment of American imperialism surfaces <laughs> in, in the reviews and in the electoral campaign and in the promotion for the film. Let's face it, uh, there is a uh, cultural war going on, folks. La Monde criticized the movie for being the first Hollywood-style biopic by a French director about a contemporary French icon and uh, uh, says that it was uh, promoted as... Uh, what is it, uh, something for an audience of highbrows. There was a, a sold-out musical. Oh, my goodness. Um, I, I think this is one, well, we have, we, just, we have to forget about all the cultural friction and fuss. Uh, I, I just, I, I don't know why I don't have any trouble thinking that Edith Piaf belongs to all of us. I don't see why... Uh, there should be any fuss about the fact that she's uh, uh, a French icon. Um, she was in love with her true, let's see, her true love is Marcel Cerdan, C-E-R-D-A-N. He's the guy that, uh, the boxer who died in a plane crash. And uh, after that, it was pretty much heartbreak. Uh in her youth, she might have crossed paths with Jane Avril or Django Reinhardt. Uh, 
She was born on the pavement, according to legend, but her birth certificate locates the event in a hospital near her mother's apartment, yes, on the Rue de Belleville. The neighborhood is a ramshackle slum. When the artisans and working poor were forced out of central Paris during the Second Empire, many of them settled in Belleville. Uh, the Paris Commune started there in March of 1871. The Paris Commune ended there that May 1871 with citizens at the barricades was the most ferocious pocket of resistance to imperial force. Yep, the revolution was real in the streets of Paris. Uh, let's see, both of Piaf's parents were buskers, street entertainers. They had immodest dreams. Her father was a contortionist. He would look around for a level spot near a busy corner and unfurl his mat. He would cajole the pedestrians. He wanted them to ante up before he entertained them. Most of his meager earnings went to drink. When Piaf was rich and famous, she paid her father an allowance. It was always a cash transaction that took place in a cafe. <laughs> Towards the end, she hired a valet, partly to keep him clean and fed but also to restrain him from making a nuisance of himself at her stage doors. He had married uh, Piaf's mother a month after the First World War began in 1914. Let's see, he was sent off to the front and then given a leave to attend Edith's birth 15 months later, but he was mysteriously AWOL. <laughs> when birth actually occurred. His wife later said bitterly, maybe he missed the train to Paris, but I'll bet he wasn't late for happy hour at the station bar. Happy hour, one infers, was an unhappy hour in that family. Uh, yes, on both sides of the family. Piaf's mother, uh, Aneta, or Anita as she was called, uh, made her living as a street singer. Most of her money also went to drink. Once she had recovered from labor, she left uh, Edith Piaf, her newborn baby, with her mother. Now, uh, that woman's husband may have owned a circus, it says here, perhaps a flea circus. She's described as a trainer of fleas by profession although the expression is ambiguous. Uh, it might simply mean a drunk with the DTs, dear, dear. <laughs> anyway, her household was a place, yes, where filth kept company with indigence. And it goes on to say that uh, Edith was given a slug of uh, alcohol or booze to put her to sleep, uh, her father came on a visit on one of his leaves from the military and he decided that it might be more wholesome to take her to a brothel in the countryside, yes. He took her to his mother in 1918. Little Edith was scabby and skeletal. She became the mascot 
of a house where Lewis's mother, depending on the source, was either owner or cook. This was a luxurious idyll where she had regular meals, baths, and affection. Uh, she was uh, uh, abruptly... Uh, her life was shattered when she went blind. Uh, I was going to say uh, there was no warning and a doctor diagnosed uh, infections. They said a terrible case of conjunctivitis. Both corneas were uh, affected. After a few months of treatment, she recovered her sight. Uh, She thought of it always as a miracle. She preferred to believe that the pious whores, the prostitutes, uh, had brought it about their prayers to St. Therese. Uh, oh, and there was a pilgrimage to the shrine of St. Therese, that sort of thing. For the rest of her life, Piaf trusted St. Therese to oversee her destiny. <laughs> the saint proved to be a capricious patron. Anyway, her hapless father came back to reclaim her uh They sang in the streets, and then when she was 14, she struck out on her own. She got together with another young woman, a 13-year-old urchin, and uh, she denies um, having prostituted herself, except perhaps once when she needed the money for her little daughter's funeral. She had a, a little child who died at age two of meningitis the fruit of a brief liaison at 17 with the delivery boy of the same age. Uh, Anyway, she traveled with both her father and with this young friend uh, sleeping in cheap hotels when they had the money and on park benches when they didn't. Uh, They discovered that her singing of the national anthem earned more applause than his contortions. Uh, Anyway, they spent five debauched years bumming around Paris uh, with this thuggish crew. She was definitely part of the underworld. Uh, I guess, what is it? I guess the self-destructive element in Piaf's story is part of the romanticism. But for me, the real thing was the voice, Maurice Chevalier knew it when he heard it Um, obviously you know uh, the proof is in the pudding folks Uh, the real thing is not something uh, is not something you can fake Uh, I think of Edith Piaf as a kind of what is that a kind of literary and uh, uh, a kind of saint when I think of Enrico Caruso or Elvis Presley, these very, very ordinary people who came from uh, the grassroots, from the underclass. Uh, There's some kind of magic. Caruso, I believe, was one of 17 children, and all the other babies had died, all of them, and uh, only he lived to grow up. Maybe that had something to do with that incredible, incredible voice. Uh, Judith Thurman says that her love affair with the boxer 
might have helped her to stop brutalizing herself if he hadn't died in the plane crash. Uh, yes, he was on his way to visit Piaf in New York, and he had planned to travel by sea, but he changed his mind in response to her phone call, begging him to fly to her in 1949. Uh, and then he crashed and died, and she went in to her room, I think, for... Oh, many days, many days, and then she came out with a song, and and she did survive him, but not really. Uh, she spent the rest of her life in a chronic state of near bankruptcy. She tried to contact him through the spirit world. Uh, she was in a number of movies. Only Jean Cocteau seems to have discerned her talents as a comedian. Uh, <laughs> Her sense of futility, it says, was probably more lethal than her cars. Uh, anyway, I guess, I guess, uh, I recommend, I don't know if I recommend, I think, uh, it is a good thing when we have biopics of these wonderful people because those who love them enough to pursue them, uh, will get past the, uh, the movies, even if the movies are a bit generic. Uh, I think Edith Piaf is uh, one for the ages. As I said, I did review this movie for uh, the morning show Thursday at 8.20. And I'll be back on the air at that time. Till then, this has been Jennifer Stone. Go easy. And if you can't go easy... Go as easy as you can. Nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school.